You're listening to episode 96 of Two Views Movies Podcast on Dark Phoenix. Brought to you by Blue Springs 8. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri, by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are talking Dark Phoenix today, the last in the line of the 20th Century Fox X-Men movies before they jump ship over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been a long time in the series, and you've been waiting a long time to talk about this. Yeah, I uh, saw the, the press screening on Monday, and so now we're almost a week before we get to record, so I've just been been angry for a week. <laughs> I've, just, I've just been ready to to just unleash on, on you today. Oh, on me? I, I, I'm i not defending this movie, yeah, so... I'm sure uh, you are. Right, we'll, oh, we'll, God. We'll find out. No, we, uh, we originally had this set up to uh, do a joint podcast again with First Issue Club. You know, like we did with uh, Avengers, because comic books and movies collide once again, and uh, kind of called that off. And you know, I don't think you guys want to just sit here and listen to me complain for an hour. So we'll uh, have to join up with them again on on Spider Man or something. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that this isn't just going to be a clip of about 45 minutes of you just screaming into the microphone <laughs> and i could just put that on like i can add some comments here and there about what i thought about the movie and then when it's your turn to talk i'll just play this clip of you screaming obnoxiously <laughs> i feel like that's what's gonna happen uh yeah yeah well let's let's dive in well first things first this week's episode is sponsored by the blue springs 8 owned by miller theaters the blue springs 8 now features six theaters with luxury recliners that allow you to enjoy the movie in full comfort all throughout the summer, your family can enjoy the Kids Show Summer Series, where every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 10 a.m. and 12.30, you can catch a family-friendly movie for only $2.50 per ticket. And if you're looking for something more on the adult side, the Blue Springs 8 has also rolled out their summer bar menu full of amazing cocktails that you can get at the lounge in the lobby. Be sure to check them out and reserve your seats at bluesprings8theater.com. Some other stuff. Uh, we got a 100th episode coming up here in a few weeks. I think we're tentatively scheduling it for the 4th of July think we're targeting some things like maybe a mailbag episode yeah, does that sound sound like fun everybody ask us some questions and we'll answer them just ask us truly anything whether it has to do with us movies or just life in general we'll, we'll just answer them on that that podcast yeah it'll, it'll be an entirely listener driven show i think the other thing we might give you is it's about mid-year so we'll probably run through quickly our our best movies of the year so far but other than that i think we're gonna hopefully get a ton of questions in the mailbag and we will uh go through that so if you want to send us some questions by the time you listen to this episode we probably will have a post out on social media but you can tweet them at us at two views movies you can hit us up on facebook at two views movies or you can email them over to us at two views movies at gmail.com while we're talking about the podcast, if you have some time while you're poking around and you want to go leave us a review, that would be awesome. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating and a comment, like us on Facebook, all that good stuff. It helps us out tremendously. And we thank you for listening. And without further ado, now we will go ahead and dive into Carson's angry review of Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Letterbox blurb. I'm going to stretch out just a little bit more. 
The X-Men face their most formidable and powerful foe when one of their own, Jean Grey, starts to spiral out of control. During a rescue mission in outer space, Jean is nearly killed when she's hit by a mysterious cosmic force. When she returns home, this force not only makes her infinitely more powerful, but far more unstable. The X-Men must now band together to save her soul and battle aliens that want to use Grey's new abilities to rule the galaxy. Directed by Simon Kinberg, which this is his debut as far as I could tell, but he's been a writer for Days of Future Past, uh, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Last Stand, Sherlock Holmes, the 2015 Fantastic Four, Jumper, This Means War, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and Triple X State of the Union. I don't normally run through everybody's <laughs> filmography, but I felt like I couldn't, like every time I kept typing another movie in his filmography, I'd see the next one, but oh yeah, I gotta include that. I mean, we need to understand this guy's pedigree. It's like, how does he keep getting jobs? Why yeah, do people I mean, keep asking him to write movies? Like maybe I've, he's stepping into directorial seat to, to spread this out a bit but quit having him write, write these I, I would really have to check on the timing of this because a few of these are really big bombs um i don't really i couldn't speak to vampire hunter and state of the union but like this means war was average jumper was not very good fantastic four was a tremendous bomb but then you get into like sherlock holmes was decent and, and solid and then um x-men apocalypse was okay days of future past was pretty good but then you get last stand in there too it's like x-men apocalypse know, was not good and poorly written. It, yeah, I didn't care for it, but it wasn't as bad as Last Stand or Fantastic Four or Dark Phoenix. Oh, I think um, Last Stand's starting to grow on me now that how bad these are. <laughs> Retroactively getting better? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. But when that's the only X-Men we got, and then compared to this, like, oh, Last Stand's bumping up the list. Yeah, I need to go revisit it. I probably should. I remember thinking it was a joke when I saw it, but it's probably worth a rewatch. So the cast, large cast, most of these people we're familiar with from this kind of iteration of the X-Men franchise. Sophie Turner, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Jessica Chastain, Nicholas Holt, Evan Peters, Ty Sheridan, and Cody Smith-McPhee. All right, Mm -hmm. now that is out of the way. I'm going to let you, since you've been having this rage festering for a week now, I'm going to let you go ahead and just blurt out wherever <laughs> you want to go with this. I mean, I, I, truly, I don't know where to start because I think the entire, the, the fact that this guy, and, and I, he's getting the, the brunt of everything, Simon is, because he wrote Last Stand, the Dark Phoenix saga, and he screwed it up. And that's, that's well uh, documented. He even himself thinks he screwed it up. And he blames it on the fact that he had to combine two different storylines and Dark Phoenix kind of got the backseat. But what, what I think angers me the most is that he calls himself an X-Men fan and this was his favorite storyline that he read when he was a kid and that's what got him hooked on X-Men. And then he writes this two, twice and gets it so wrong twice. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. That I don't, I don't understand how how that can happen, and that's what that's what's more frustrating is that it'd be easier to say, you know, I I've never read any X Men, you know, and I could give him a little bit of, you know, that's I put it on Fox at that point, you know, if he's, you know, I don't know these characters, they asked me to write this story, and this is what I came up with. I that's almost more forgivable than somebody who's a fan and reads this and then puts this on screen, like that. That's so frustrating to me, right? Like everything from how the characters act to, you know, their backstories to this whole story. And then just the random aliens that they throw in to, as a villain, like it doesn't make any, like, I, I truly don't know where to start. 
And I, I have all these notes and I just want to flood them all at you. But I feel like the only thing they got right in this movie was fixing Mystique's hair. <laughs> was that a That's problem it. before? Oh, yeah. She had like this this gelled hair to like molded to her head ever since uh, Rebecca Romaine. And I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they made her naked throughout the entire movie other than it, because it was Re- Rebecca Romaine. Stamos. I don't know if she still goes by Stamos, but she did then. Well, once you're a Stamos, always a Stamos. Always a Stamos. I, yes. I, I, I agree with that. But I don't know why they had it like molded to her head. And then they finally got her hair right. And she actually kind of looked like Mystique's supposed to look like uh, in this movie. And that's the only thing that I noticed that I, as, a, as a positive takeaway is they finally yeah. brought it back. But it, uh, chronologically, it makes no sense, even though we're in a different timeline. Yeah, like I, I don't. Uh, well, are we in a different timeline? Because we're in a different days of future past mean a different timeline. Oh, Jesus. But I mean, I think for the sake of the movie, it, it might be different, but it's still supposed to have the same kind of continuity. No, we're uh, we're a clean slate from days of future. That's why they were able to do a second Dark Phoenix saga is because the other one didn't exist because we went back in time and changed stuff. <sighs> and now for some reason, Mystique is not a villain. And that's how we can get away with Jennifer Lawrence somehow leading the X-Men in days okay. of in but the apocalypse. I, guess, I don't. But I guess like chronologically, though, I, one of the things that jumped out at me is um, these characters haven't aged like appropriately because they were in <laughs> their early 20s in 1962. Right. And it's 30 years later and they look the exact same. And then if you extrapolate that even further, in eight years after Dark Phoenix they would be at X-Men 1, in which case McAvoy is now Patrick Stewart and Fassbender is now Ian McKellen. Like, I get it. It was it. a it's rough a- eight years. It was a, it was a rough <laughs> eight years. You don't know. I mean, you don't know what happened in those eight years. Uh, you know, I, I don't either. I mean, you know, things get real bad for the mutants because that's always what happens in the X-Men, which is part of my problem with the whole X-Men franchise is they don't ever seem to do anything unique. At least, I guess I feel like they reset really well with first class and I, I loved first class. And then after that, things just got bad again because they brought Brian Singer back. And I know a lot of people like days of future past. I, I'm fine with it. I, I didn't love it, but I guess the X-Men movies since first class just feel like the same thing over and over again. It's Magneto being good for a little bit and Charles believing in him. And then Magneto flips and everybody's surprised by Magneto flipping again. And then Charles, like they're still good in him. And I know that was kind of the secondary plot of this, but it kind of happens again in this movie. And then you factor in that there's always the government that's, that's doing the same thing. Either the government's kind of on their side or not on their side. And then there's that battle constantly. And it's, they don't ever do anything new and unique. I mean, they'll throw in an apocalypse, they'll throw in a dark Phoenix, but for the most part, it's just the same beats over and over and over again. And I, I'm amazed that basically 20 years worth of X-Men films has just kind of done the same thing with the exception of Logan. Well, the the problem I think is first class should have been a reboot. They should have scrapped everything that came prior and say, we're just rebooting. Here's our new X-Men franchise, sort of like Spider-Man did, you know? Well, uh, so I'll stop you there. Wasn't that kind of the intent? I mean, I guess that's what I thought it was. Well, I th- no, it's because it was trying to maintain still the continuity. And by throwing Hugh Jackman in there, you're now in the same universe again. So, sure. So but it's I, mean, not you, a, you, I guess not... you could have still gone different ways with it. I mean, you you had the chance to, yeah, maybe wink and a nod with Hugh Jackman, but you didn't have to go full singer. 
Oh, bringing him back, right. But you could have just left, if this is a new universe, you know, it's not just these guys back in time. You know, it's, right. this is just a new start, we're rebooting, everybody's new, we'll recast as we go, and just start over. But then they try to bring it all together, and I think the only reason they tried to keep it together was because of Hugh Jackman, they liked him as Wolverine. Yeah. And so I think that's the, I mean, everybody else, they've essentially recast. I mean, Days of Future Past, it was kind of cool to bring both together, but, you know, then you just ignore them as you go. You know, we never get back to Patrick Stewart. You know, just let McAvoy be McAvoy, Mm -hmm. you know, and just let him be Xavier. And that's, that's a cool way to do it, but not, you didn't need that flash forward and flashback. And uh, again, I think the only reason they hang on to it is because of Hugh Jackman. Well, I, I guess I felt like they weren't originally going to go the direction that they went until Singer got back on board. Because they, they gave it to Matthew Vaughn with First Class, and it was really great. But then for some reason, I think he wanted to go to Kingsman, and I'm not sure what the backstory is there. Like, if he wanted them to wait so he could come back to X-Men, or if he just said he was done. But then they went back to Brian Singer, and it's like, oh, why? Why would you do that? Well, there, there's a lot of back and forth, which I don't know how much of it's true or not, but some of them, it was like Singer asked to be back, and some of them was Fox asking him to come back, and I don't know which, which route that actually happened. But, yeah, I, well, it disaster is what it equals out to be. Well, the, well yeah, be, because, I mean, we talked about Last Stand, and that was, that was no, no, it was directed by Brett Ratner. Right. Yeah, it was not. But Brian written Singer. by our boy Simon. And right. So, and so and I was watching a bunch of interviews. Again, I had a lot of time, you know, between watching this, I had all week to figure out what the hell happened. And watching interviews with Simon, he said he was so happy to write Days of Future Past because it gave him the ability to read. He knew that he was going to be able to redo Dark Phoenix because that was his favorite, you know, storyline. But if you watch Apocalypse and then go into Phoenix, none of it makes sense. So it's not like he was building to that. Right. You know, for, it's like you knew that that was going to give you another shot at it, yet you totally jack it up because Jean Grey <laughs> is already the Phoenix in Apocalypse somehow. And then she gets the Phoenix powers in the beginning of this one. Yeah. So I, I had asked you that through text uh, a few days ago because I, I didn't read X-Men comics. I, you're the comic book guy and especially X-Men. Th- those are your guys growing up. So is there a comic book explanation for that whole storyline because at the end of apocalypse she unleashes her power and it's this big glorious moment it's in the shape of a phoenix so you're led to believe that she is i don't know the phoenix now is she that and then this space energy corrupts her to become the dark phoenix are are there two separate entities like or is this just completely messed up from a story standpoint this is completely messed up from a story standpoint so if you go back to x2 and the last stand they just made it a part of her power you Mm -hmm. know and so they decided to go that route and then if you watch apocalypse you're like okay they're just doing that again but in the comics the phoenix the phoenix force is just a cosmic force that possesses her so it's essentially um a being that has possessed her and and increased her powers and basically takes over her mind and at at one part it, it was a part of her and then her human emotions basically corrupts the Phoenix force and it likes, it likes doing bad because it's never felt those types of emotions before. And it goes into this dark space. So it's the ooze from uh, Ghostbusters too. Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, kind of, it's not, I mean, the power itself isn't corrupting. 
the power itself is is cosmic and true and whatnot, reborn. And it's a and she has it for a while, and she saves the universe with the phoenix power, and then it gets corrupted and goes dark. Okay, and so it's and there there never really was that in this. Um, I didn't get the the feeling that it was a possession rather than just fantastic for you now have powers right you know, cosmic rays have exposed you you now have more powers that apparently you can take away from if you're an alien being and so that that didn't mesh at all and the, and the fact that i mean how they defeat the dark phoenix is xavier you know they go basically he's in her mind and gene helps him in her mind and they defeat the dark phoenix uh the first time and he basically used that already in X-Men Apocalypse, how he was fighting Apocalypse in his mind, you know, and then Gene comes in and helps him defeat Apocalypse. Yeah. So they already kind of ruined that. <laughs> right. And so they had to go a different route, which just doesn't make any sort of sense. And I'm, I think I blacked out how the movie even ended because I was just seeing red. <laughs> how this one ended? This how one. Dark Phoenix yeah. ended? Oh, God. Uh, all I can tell you is that they renamed the school the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youth or whatever, which really makes no sense considering she killed some of her own people. Like, why wouldn't you name it after a raven of all people? Well, yeah. I mean, that doesn't, I mean, that's a nod to the comics. Wolverine, when he took over as headmaster of the school and Xavier was, was gone and Jean Grey died and he named it after her. Well, sure, that that might work from a comic reference nod, but from a movie standpoint, it, it really make, makes no, no sense whatsoever. No, and they threw a bunch of stuff in here that made no sense, but they tried to nod it back to something <laughs> that you, you knew of. Yeah. yeah, I will say my favorite thing about the ending, if we're skipping way ahead, is Beast strolling into Xavier's office and sitting down <laughs> and writing in his, getting ready to write in his must be super important binder and looking at the picture of Raven on his <laughs> desk. I laughed out loud when that happened. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I could not believe they put that in there. It is so hokey and so laughable. And the picture they had of her, it wasn't like of them two like hugging or like laying on a grassy nope. hill with each other. It's just this really, really awkward headshot of Mystique just sitting there in the picture frame. I was like, Good and he gave a little Lord. nod. It's like, you know, I'm I'm the headmaster now. So I think that's kind of where they went with it. Oh, Be man. Beast is in charge, which is weird. Oh, okay. What well, while we're on Beast. Are we on Beast yet? No, no. I, okay. we're on the ending still. So let's go back to the ending. Because I think what you I think what you were asking is how it kind of ended. And that was also extremely stupid. You know, it's when Gene, I guess embraces the fact that she needs to own this power because first of all it wasn't very clear that like she had half the power and jessica chastain had half the power after one of the after jessica chastain tried to absorb it from her that was not very clear but then she starts this big fight with all these other aliens and she basically ashes them as though she had you know thanos snapped them and then she makes some kind of comment about um I, I wish I could remember what it was it's like being not of this world or something like that. And then she takes Jessica Chastain's character up into the sky and full on Captain Marvel explodes. And that that's it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what I was supposed to think about that ending, but it was garbage. Yeah. Well, the whole thing was garbage. And uh, or you want to stay here at the end? Yeah, if if I don't know, what are your thoughts on the ending? Because I I I remember being I mean, totally terrible. confused. I mean, I'm so out of the yeah. movie by now that like I'm I'm just just mad at this point. And so yeah. everything you know, I equated it. You said Thanos snap. I was more extremist of her burning people up and turning them to ash. Um, 
which I was fine with because she's Phoenix Fout, Phoenix Power, and burning people up. Sure, turn them to ash. Well, kill, kill I, them I that think, way. Whatever. I think the reason I went with Thanos is because there were several moments in this movie that seemed cribbed straight from other movies. Well, first of all, it references itself because like they they had the big fight, the mutant fight outside of Jean Grey's house, which is ripped straight from I believe Last Stand, maybe x2 i can't remember i know there's there's one that happens like that yeah it's uh it's last stand because the juggernauts in it that's when she dusts uh xavier okay she kills him and somehow he's back later (laughs) and then there's uh the same fight outside the house where she's fighting the mutants and they rip straight from justice league when quicksilver's trying to go super fast and she like looks down at him and can I was wondering if she was going to do the the kind of side eye like Soups did, but she didn't do the side eye. She just moved the stuff. I was waiting for that. I was like, is she is she going to do that? Yeah, that's close enough, right? Yeah. Um, Let's see what else was there. I mean, obviously, there's several things that reek of Captain Marvel in this, which I completely understand why they went and did reshoots for the whole third act because it was already skewing very heavily towards Captain Marvel that I heard there was supposed to be a giant space battle was how this was all supposed to end. And they reshot it to be the train sequence because if you have somebody glowing, flying uh, a woman glowing, flying through space, blowing up spaceships, it's going to be impossible not to think Captain Marvel. And then the only other thing I had on that was a, uh, the ending where uh, Charles and, and and Magneto are sitting there playing chess reminded me. I I I, went, I almost expected him to look over their shoulder and see Michael Caine sitting there with a cup, little <laughs> cup of uh, of wine or whatever. But anyway, my whole point with that was that there was already these nods of uh, I shouldn't even say nods. I, it, that that implies like you're 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 doing an homage or whatever. I think they were just ripping from other movies at this point to make this movie. And so when she started ashing those people in the end, I just like okay, well that's. It's exactly what it looked like when people turned to Ash in Infinity War and Endgame. So, so I got I got to go back a little bit of background. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know that I'm a comic book guy, and X Men and Spider Man were what I grew up on, and I've always gravitated to the X Men team. Uh, that's I just loved those comics, and so when the first X Men movie came out, it was not what I wanted, uh, but it kind of ushered in this new era of superheroes, and so I started getting new superhero movies so you know whatever i'll take it um it's best what we got again wolverine way too tall uh like hugh jackman just didn't nothing quite fit even magneto while i loved the balance between the two and i love the dialogue between the two of them in in the first x-men uh the casting i think was wrong from magneto's side because he was simply too old you know Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot you can do with that because magneto's supposed to be this really intimidating figure and while phenomenal actor it it didn't come across as this is the most powerful mutant in the on the earth that you're supposed to fear and i think it worked only because he was such a good actor but again it it was not they kind of painted themselves into a corner if you will mm-hmm. uh you, you can't go along do a lot with him he's not going to do a lot of physical uh, activity when he's fighting, so you can get you can get <laughs> right. a lot of little hand hand twitches, you know, and then he can make stuff move, and that's all you're going to get from him. Yeah, uh, so I guess he was serviceable for the first three, but you needed to reboot and go uh, Fosbender, and who's done an awesome job at Magneto. I think that's going to be a shame that both McAvoy and him won't be in Marvel because I think they they did do a good job with these two characters. 
Yeah, they did. I, I truly agree. I totally agree with that. And, and even in this movie, they were the only two that seemed able to somewhat punch through the really, really bad writing and directing. The, everybody else kind of fell victim to the bad writing and directing, but those two uh, gave it their all. And I think they've been the highlight of this franchise. I, I, I wish that Marvel would consider moving them over, but I, I don't you, think they will. I think you got to cut all ties. Got to yeah, cut all do. ties. You, Start over. You absolutely do. You don't want anything connected to this universe. Yeah, Fassbender is just one of those guys that uh, he just needs to pick better movies because he, I think he's a great actor. He just has chosen poorly over the years. Would you offer I some? I mean, you offer him Magneto, and I mean that you got to take that. That's that's an awesome. Yeah, man, I think that's a good and choice. He's crushed it like yeah. in first class, and and even uh, oh gosh, what came after first class? Why am I drawing a blank? It would have been Days, Days of, of Future, Future Past. Past. Yeah, yeah. He, he's good in that. I mean, but he. He could be so much better. He just chooses some bad movies, and and this one he he has some bad moments, but it's not his fault, I don't think. So then you got to go to Beast, and I dislike Nicholas Holt. Holt, Holt. Yeah, I think it's Holt. Holt, probably unfairly going into his his future performances because of his casting as Beast. I mean, you you, you pick a tall, skinny nerd guy as as your beast and then you don't even make him beast he's himself like i don't know if that's in his contract where he has to spend x number of face time as beast but you got to go the kelsey Grammer route and just he is beast he just is beast i don't understand why they don't make him look bigger like do, right. if you want to make him skinny if you if you want to do the whole transformation angle that's totally fine go ahead and do that but why not hulk him out a little bit and make him big cuz he looks like a really bad blue teen wolf at times where just okay yeah you're a tall lanky blue guy like i don't you're not intimidating to me so when he's chucking people around in some of the fights I'm like that i don't know it's just not the same feel no well the thing about beast is he's supposed to be a beast of a man and then turned himself blue you know, he was supposed to be that, and all they gave him was giant feet. And, <laughs> you know, and I was like, this is really stupid. And, and so then they, they got away from the whole thing that makes Beast sort of a tragic character is he turned himself blue and he can't figure out how to get back to normal. But in, in all these movies, it's like, oh yeah, I just take a serum. Mm-hmm. Yep. I stay, and so I'm, I'm normal. So you, you lose that whole element of what makes him, in, you know, any sort of layers, you know, he's just a, just a guy. Yeah, I mean, and truthfully, they haven't tried to give any sort of depth to anybody other than McAvoy, Fassbender, and Mystique. Jennifer Lawrence, probably. Yeah. Yeah, other than that, I mean, they, they everybody else is just side characters. Like uh, Quicksilver, they kind of tease the whole family angle in Apocalypse and Dropped the fact it. that he's Magneto's son. And yeah, that's nowhere. In fact, not only did they just drop it, they just dropped him out of Dark Phoenix. He gets just you know, knocked aside during that fight with Gene, and then he's nowhere to be found the whole rest of the movie. I think they realized that when you have somebody that can move as fast as they gave him those abilities, that he's the solution to every problem. Right. And so how do we get him out of the fray at the end is we got to just take him out of the fight early because he could just kill all of them in a matter of a, you know, blink of an eye. Yeah, and they didn't even really do it in a significant way where you would think like, oh, he's out of commission forever. It was really just he kind of got swept aside, and I think they show him on a stretcher, but I mean... Yeah, he was uh, he was carted off. It's about the least amount of screen time you could give somebody to show them that they're out of commission for the rest of the movie. Like, oh, wheeling him into a, a, an ambulance, he, he must be done for the right. whole and, rest of the movie. And the only thing that happened was he she took away his step, and so he just fell on his own <laughs> yeah. and scratched up his face. 
<laughs> yeah. So oh, so bad. So on the Nicholas Holt thing, two things. One, his acting was really bad this whole movie. But again, I'm not. I might say it was bad acting for some of these people, but I'm not going to fault them. I think the writing and the directing was truly, truly bad. The scene where he confronts Charles at the kitchen table was so cringeworthy. He's like, why, Charles? Why did you do it? Tell me, Charles, why? Like, he says it exactly like that. And I'm like, this is, this is acting I would expect in like a high school play. This is no good. Not good at all. And I sat there and in that moment was like, I'm so happy that they chose Robert Pattinson for Batman over Nicholas Holt because I cannot go from seeing Nicholas Holt in Dark Phoenix like this to trying to imagine him as Bruce Wayne or Batman. I cannot do it. I don't understand. I, I don't understand his following truly. And then from this to what Jack the Giant Slayer, and I don't know what else he's been into where people just love him, but I don't get it. And then I didn't even see him as a contender for Batman. I didn't even know that until. Uh, this week when I was going through my dark Phoenix stuff and saw that he got beat out and I was like, I didn't even know he was a contender and thank God he got beat out. Cause that would have been I mean, awful. I, so, okay, here's the thing. I don't think he has a bad look uh, for Bruce Wayne. I don't think he has like the right jaw and stuff for Batman, but that's just me. I mean, he has been in some decent movies. I, I liked warm bodies. Uh, Mad Max Fury road was good. Uh, I've heard good things about uh, Tolkien that just came out, but yeah, he, it's not like he has a a killer filmography by any means. I feel like it is a way of saying, well, we casted this sparkly vampire, but we could have cast this worse actor. So everyone's like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's a much better choice. So we'll we'll go get along with the sparkly vampire. Uh, maybe perhaps defensive. I, I'm just... he, a defensive <laughs> hire is what, what he was. Uh, yeah, there, there was they, no they... chance in hell he was actually going to get the job. But it's like, well, this was our other choice. Like, oh god, yeah. They just had to leak it. You know, it's kind of like when they're interviewing <laughs> coaches and they know who they want. And they're like, we're just going to bring in this other guy. And right. We know, we know we're not going to take him, but we have to show that we you know look like we are going to talk to him. I just felt like in this movie, it, it really sealed the deal for me that I was like, yep, Nicholas Holt cannot be Batman. This is, this is really, really bad. While we're on that topic, Ty Sheridan, who plays Cyclops, and Sophie Turner. So I like Sophie from Game of Thrones. But oh boy, those two had less than zero chemistry, and they were both completely wooden. I, I don't even, like, how can you be filming that and be like, okay, that's exactly the line read that I want. Yeah, and and Ty last movie when he was cast, I was like, that's not Cyclops. In this movie, I actually got a more Cyclops feel from him. Is that because he's annoying? Um, see, I did, it almost as if he had more confidence. In the last one, I just, watching Apocalypse, it was like he was trying to be the bad boy for some reason, and that's not Cyclops at all. Again, not knowing knowing that he <laughs> that Simon reads X Men comics, I don't know why you were trying to have the guy who skips out of class early be Cyclops. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, you know, but this, they kind of course corrected his, his character to be more the, more the Boy Scout kind of, and he kind of a leadership role, but it was better. I'm not saying that he would be my choice, but he was better in this one than he was Apocalypse. Do you like Ty Sheridan or James Marsden better? James Marsden, sadly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just I just watched the first the first X Men uh, this week. I was trying to get through all of them before we did this, and uh, my wife put the kibosh on that. She said, "No, nope, <laughs> we're only watching one." And yeah, so I did watch the first one, and he's not he's not terrible. See, I I feel like he's a better Cyclops in the sense that I 
feel like Cyclops should be kind of an annoying goody goody boy, and he kind of it gets it, you know that gets exposed at the expense of Logan always ribbing him, at least in that first series of movies where Ty Sheridan just feels like a blank stare the whole time. That that's why. I, when I picture Ty Sheridan, even in Ready Player One, it's just like this blank look on your face. Like, I don't feel anything about you one way or the other. Are you supposed to be the good guy, the hero? Are you supposed to be confused? Like, I don't know what's happening. So at least with Marsden, I felt like he definitely played up the the goody boy angle a little bit. Yeah, and as far as Sophie goes, um, obviously, I, I love her as, as Sansa. But, I mean, she was, I didn't really like her in the last one. Didn't really like, I mean, I didn't hate her either. But the movie around her was so bad in both that I, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can fault her for nope this this crap that they put together. No, not at all. Like I said, if you know, I like Jessica Chastain a lot, and she was very, very not good in this movie. But she was also given a character that looks and says things that are you know basically like a wooden board. I don't even know how else to describe it. Like you could have just put a cardboard cutout of Jessica Chastain in this movie and it wouldn't have been any different. So if you're writing a movie and directing a movie that even McAvoy and Fassbender are just struggling to make good with anything that's happening, everybody else, some of these lesser people are surely not going to be able to cut it. Well, and so you mentioned Jessica Chastain and I've always, she's always just been more background noise to me. I've never actually said, oh wow, that's a, I can't wait to see her in something, or that was a great performance by her. And not, what? My, my... You didn't like her in Interstellar? No. Oh, Molly's Game? I see, I haven't seen Molly's Game. Okay, uh, Zero Dark Thirty? There at the end. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty, she, again, she was just kind of there. I, I've never really, you know, she's just there. I don't think she's a terrible actress. I just don't, don't think she's great either. But when I saw her, so the, the first trailer came out, and uh, I saw that got me pseudo excited for this movie uh and then the second trailer dropped and people on twitter kept saying oh somebody died you know and mm-hmm. they're, they're spoiling it and so i i shut off all i didn't look at anything on social media on around x-men didn't read anything about it going into it and so when they showed her and they showed her blonde uh and and wearing white and in a dinner party i immediately thought she was emma frost the white queen mm-hmm. and i'm like okay they recasted her and thinking that the, this dinner party is kind of the inner circle and that we're bringing in the Hellfire Club, uh, which is key to the Dark Phoenix storyline in the comics. And it's actually kind of what makes her go dark. And I was like, I don't think it was necessary to recast. Uh, was it Natasha Hinstridge? Was she? Who? Is that who was the White Queen in uh, First Class? No, it was... Um... Oh gosh, I can picture her, but she died in that movie. Anyways, they would have had to have no, on that. Didn't she get choked uh, around the? It cracked uh, it, but she didn't. He didn't kill her. Oh okay, yeah, I can picture who it is. Oh, uh, Natasha Hinstrick. She's a uh, species. I'm way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, January Jones. Yes, thank you, thank you. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, she's not the best actress in the world, but I think you could have left her uh, in as White Queen, and so that's what I was thinking. And then immediately that she gets abducted and changed into some scroll type alien and like which, oh which they don't even tell you no what these things are no never never <sighs> and it was so lazily done like her whole all these aliens it was so so poorly written and, and poorly done that i'm glad it was done that way from the fact that they saved so many storylines for marvel to do <laughs> Like yeah. that, that's where I'm like, they didn't bring in the Shi'ar or the, the Imperial Guard 
or you know gladiator any of these guys so they didn't ruin it for for later on and, and the same thing with genosha you know you have uh magneto there on his island nation of mutants mm-hmm. uh that looked just like a, a junkyard it didn't even look like an island they didn't even like pan out to show that they're going to an island or something they they did right before that they they showed because out of nowhere i remember they cut to like this you know overhead scene of like these islands i'm like what is this well who's going here and then they showed magneto there so they did show well, i remember that <laughs> so it didn't count. You don't have a reason to remember it, honestly. I'm not faulting <laughs> but, you for that. But that that whole storyline, uh, I mean, Genosha was an island where they were experimenting uh, and enslaving mutants, and then it was liberated, and then eventually Magneto takes over and it makes it a haven for uh, for mutants to come and stay in peace. And that whole that whole storyline would be a fantastic movie in itself, mm-hmm. you know, of liberating and and, and the fighting and, and this this group of people that are enslaving mutants but that in itself is a is a fantastic storyline that they i don't even know if they said genosha but one of the guys listed online on imdb is a it says genosian guard and so i was like okay that's what that was supposed to be but i don't even think they mentioned it in the movie no i don't remember hearing it called anything i mean i think you were just for people like me who aren't familiar with that i think you were just supposed to think it's some kind of getaway sanctuary that magneto took his people to and so i'm glad they didn't ruin that storyline so Marvel can use it. I'm glad they didn't ruin the Shi'ar because that, that brings in an alien race that is trying to kill the Phoenix because she killed 5 billion people by destroying a star. You know, and so, oh. you, so the X-Men are fighting against the Shi'ar to protect Jean Grey, you know, and that, that's a cool thing that could happen later and I'm glad they didn't ruin it here. Yeah, I, I guess I don't understand the point of of it, yeah, they don't explain any of this, and I don't feel like this movie was a conclusion of any sort. It's almost like it introduced more things instead of trying to wrap everything up. But they they know it's a wrap up, right? I mean, they know that the deal between Disney and 20th Century Fox is done. So why are you laying Easter eggs of Genosha, or why are you introducing a Dark Phoenix, or why are you introducing these alien characters? You should be closing the world not trying to open it up more because you know you're done but it's not even uh they didn't even tease it i mean that's the end of genosha you know like that's the end of that storyline they just buzzed by it no yeah magneto's here oh okay well i mean and so it's like oh that's that's dumb and and you know what they also they gave us is ariki what is that arikai I don't know. He didn't exist. And I don't even think they say his name, but he's listed as this. He's the guy with the dreadlocks that they just Oh, yeah. That guy sucked. Okay. So here's how I think this went. I think they saw Medusa in the Inhumans, who's the queen of the Inhumans, who uses her long red hair to fight. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, how do we turn this into a mutant that we make up? Because there's not enough for us to pull from. You know, so we're just going to make this guy fight with his dreadlocks. But what they don't get... Is, and again, I'm I'm blaming Simon again. Is that Medusa fighting with her hair is the worst part about Medusa? <laughs> I mean, she is a she is a badass character. I mean, she's the queen, you know, and she's strong and and she does everything. But the way that she fights with her hair is is the worst part about her. But everything else about her makes her cool. And they took the worst part of Medusa and made this guy that you didn't need to. And he's fighting with his dreadlocks. Yeah. Why? Yeah, nobody looks at that and says that that's cool. It's like Last all. Stand when they come in this guy, the porcupine guy. You know, like why are you creating people that that don't exist when there's so many 
real life real life you know <laughs> sure yes it's it's my real life um real life <laughs> music real that, me, that, that you could pull from i mean they threw in a dazzler you know in the middle of the f- dancing that people have been wanting to see her forever she oh fallen. is that who that was because i i actually thought so when you thought that chastain was emma frost i actually thought that person might have been emma frost because like is that snow and she's wearing all white and she's blonde like what's happening no she's the pop star dazzler Oh, that sounds she, real she, cool. She turns music into light energy. Oh my god, I want to <laughs> fight this guy right now. Like, well, I mean, I, I understand that she might be from the comics or whatever, but like, why, why, why throw her in there? Yeah, yes. I mean, it, I'm okay with them being a fan. So they put her in there, but why make up new people? You know, at this stage of the game, and then don't explain them or develop them. He's just a guy that can fight with his hair. Yeah. Dumb. I mean, I get it. There's there's some mutants that might just be thrown in that you don't really need an explanation for. You don't have to go explaining everybody, but I get it to your point. Like, why wouldn't you put somebody in that you is at least from the comic books? Right. There's hun- truly hundreds to pick from. And you tried to make up your own and give them the worst power imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be cool. They're not going to make a toy of Ariki or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, nobody's going to look at, at Dark Phoenix or any X-Men movie like, oh, I want to be the guy who fights with his hair. Like, <laughs> come on. Out of all the powers you could have, you, you pick the guy you pick who... The hair, uh, the hair fight? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one step above Toad, maybe? I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Toad, Toad had was his really tongue. Park. Yeah, he was Darth Maul. He had his tongue, and then he spit stuff. <laughs> and we all know what happens to a Toad when it's struck by lightning. The same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, What did you think of any of the action in this movie? Did any of it stand out to you? Um, The only thing that stood out was Nightcrawler being completely out of character. Are you talking about when he gets angry because the cop died? Yes. I mean, what the hell was that? And then all of a sudden he goes murderous rage, which is not... The only reason we saw Nightcrawler kill people and fight really cool was because he was brainwashed in X2. Right. Like he's a a Catholic man of God, you know, avoid violence at all costs. And then he decides to go feral and just kill people. <laughs> I mean, it, it's again, not understanding where these, who these characters are and then just snap and then make him something else completely. Yeah, exactly. Like if you want to make him go that way, at least try and give it something that makes sense for him to flip the switch like that. Like if, if, something bad happened to Charles or one of his friends, you know, or maybe he got mad because Quicksilver, if they had left Quicksilver in that fight at the end, but even Mystique, who's his mom, they don't let you know that. (laughs) Sure. But the cop who's like, Hey, my kid likes you or something like that. And then two minutes later, the cop dies and that's what sets him off after all of this stuff. And he just goes nuts and starts killing people. I, again, that was a laugh out loud moment for me because I was like, I, I know what you're trying to do here and it completely doesn't work. Well, how could you write this? He is now nightcrawler alien hunter. It's miserable, miserable. Um, I, I felt like the action was okay. It, it, it bordered on low budget for me. It sometimes some of the effects just didn't really look good, especially on the, on the train. I thought that was a little iffy. I, <sighs> This isn't really, I guess, action, but when Magneto and Gene were having the um, mutant power face-off over the helicopter, that that was a little cringy with Fassbender doing his best screaming jiggly hands <laughs> performance to try and convey that. And then I didn't understand why in like the final action fight where we get Dreadlock guy fighting and everybody, like 
why did Magneto pull a subway train up from the ground just to block the doorway? Subway train up from the ground. Yeah, remember, so he's outside of the house where inside there's Jessica Chastain and Gene, and this is where Magneto and those guys are going to go kill Gene, right? And he's on the front porch, and he turns around and starts doing his Magneto hands, and he lifts a subway from under the ground up through the asphalt, and then all he does with it is, as he walks into the house to confront them, he uses that uh, subway car to block the door. Gotcha, I thought you were talking later when he no, crushes the no. subway, I thought, or the, uh, the train. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the first go-around because I was like, there's like 100 cars on the street and you're Magneto. Can't you find a better way? Did you really have to pull a subway car up to, to show to that this? To show that he could. Yeah, and the train scene was fine. I mean, I, I like some of it. You got to see everybody's powers. I questioned why Magneto couldn't have ended that fight in about two seconds um, because he's on a giant train full of cars that are just basically made out of metals. And finally, he eventually did just crush one of them and throw them away. I wondered why he didn't do that at first, but... Broadly speaking, I guess for me, the action was a little cheap and nothing that we haven't already seen a hundred times over in X-Men movies before. Uh, and we're going to go back a little bit to the house the house scene Yeah, where Gene flips over a couple cops. I don't know if any of them died. I felt like they didn't. Yeah, I I would assume not. I mean, I feel like in superhero movies, if they kill innocent good people, then they, they kind of show or make it obvious like explosions and stuff. And then all of a sudden we have the Mutant Registration Act, you know, put on TV again because a mutant mm-hmm. flipped over a couple cars in a neighborhood. Yep. Like, it seemed... we're just gonna, all it takes. <laughs> maybe, I guess. I'm like, that seems like a, a huge jump of everything that they've built. And, you know, Xavier is just with the president, you know, and then in this tiny little town, a couple cop cars get flipped over and a mutant gets killed. Mystique dies, which is dumb. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Okay. We're on Mystique again. (laughs) And I guess it's because they had Jennifer Lawrence and her star power, but they should have made her progressively evil. And I know Days of Future Past said if she she kills them, she goes down the road of making her, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, But but she is. I mean, that's her character. She's a villain. And she's, you know, Magneto's like right-hand gal. And then all of a sudden she's leading the X-Men and she's a hero to like apocalypse. Like she storms hero and everybody unites. Cause that's her. I, I didn't, they, they leap in these assumptions that I, I don't even know what she did to get that status. Yeah. I, I'm with you. So I don't, I don't come at it from as much of a comic book angle as you do. So I'm actually okay with mystique being good, but your point about, this movie, not just with Mystique, but this whole series, I guess, with all their characters, they just don't do a good job of fleshing out any of their motivations or why they do what they should. And like, even in this movie, they, they try to tap into that a little bit with how Xavier withheld some of Gene's memories, but they were really, he was trying to protect him and Mystique, like you can, you can tell what's there, right? You can tell what they're going for, but they do a miserable job of making you actually feel for these characters and want these things to happen or want them to go a certain way. That's what Marvel gets right. They, they want you to feel when something happens to Tony Stark or Captain America, but the X-Men franchise is just like, Hey, this is going to happen. You're like, all right, well, I guess I kind of know what I'm supposed to feel like. It's the same problem I have with DC. They do a terrible job of making people feel what they want you to feel about these characters. So the connecting of the dots, like you mentioned, I I couldn't agree more with that. It's just, it it angers me because I like this property so much and I can't wait for them to be introduced into the, the MCU 
and I'm hoping they do so with with some some kid gloves um, and to kind of ease our way into it. As much as I want to see everybody, I don't know how they're going to quite introduce, but I want them to slow play these storylines. I want them to, I, I want to see all four horsemen before I see Apocalypse type of thing. You know, if you're going to do the Dark Phoenix, introduce maybe the Shi'ar in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, and the Imperial Guard over there before they come and try to kill the Phoenix Force, you know, on Earth. You know, because the Phoenix could be something, the big bad that everybody has to unite and try to fight together. And the X-Men sure. are on one side and the Avengers are on the other. You know, that's that's something you could build towards. And now, the the Dark Phoenix saga is not something that I've I've ever really gravitated to. I liked the uh the cartoon of it. Um is way before my time and, and the comics side of it, and I'm kind of done with it. But it does present that big bad. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that they did a they've done some various uh, Phoenix type things since then of the Phoenix force came back to earth because, you know, it's a Phoenix. Every time you kill it, it comes back, you know, that's kind of, it's MO. Um, <laughs> right. But this time, because nobody was there like Jean strong enough to hold it, it split itself into five. And so it, it gave five different X-Men the Phoenix power, you know, albeit less, but you know, the, then it showed them getting corrupted, you know, by it, you know, cause too much power corrupts sure you know and that's kind of and i gotta say marvel would be making a smart decision if they did not ever do anything related to phoenix oh i agree i agree just stay away from it Mm -hmm. and and i think i think they need at least at least five years before they even consider doing x-men no i think so i don't know if we're gonna get a uh a mention here or there like they did with wakanda and uh the civil war Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of hinted not Civil War his one before you know, I guess Age a, of Ultron yeah with the vibranium yeah and they just you know kind of drop it in here that these mutants or something exists mm-hmm. or um, even yeah like so if phase what well, we would just finish phase three yeah so if we just finished phase three I, I feel like the X-Men could be the tent pole for like an entire phase all of its own like in multiple phases really so I feel like they probably have a couple more phases already lined out and they can do that. And then the X-Men should probably be like the next big, like the Avengers held up the first several phases and then the X-Men should hold up, you know, two or three on its own if you're equating them to the Avengers. So, but I feel like you need a good, good length of time in between where we're at now in Marvel and where we will be when the X-Men get introduced. You see, I think we're going to take a dip in popularity here in phase four, just based on what's being announced. I mean, you got like mm-hmm. Doctor Strange two. I don't think it had a huge following. Uh, I think Spider Man's their best best bet, uh, and that's what a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after that, you have oh, who are they? We have Black Panther two and Captain yeah, Marvel. Yeah, Shang Chi, Nova is rumored. Guardians three. Yeah, Shang Chi. I mean, I don't think any of, and then even Guardians three. I think they'll be kind of one offs, but I don't think it's a. These are going to be like must sees to go back right. and and really hold the hold the line together until you bring in like the X-Men like they're, they're yeah. fine ancillary characters and I'm sure they will be decent enough movies, but not enough to where the whole mass appeal to, to bring the audiences back like Avengers had. I guess that's probably likely no matter what you do, because I think the Avengers and phase one through three were just a cultural phenomenon that probably will never be repeated 
in that same thing. Like, I don't think Marvel's going to be able to string together another 22 movies to the same success that they did these first 22. So I, you need to build towards something if you're Marvel and keep that ball rolling, but you've got to expect that it's going to slow down somewhat because there's got to be fatigue. I mean, you've been putting out one, two, three movies a year sometimes to get to this point and you've got to slow down and yeah, you, you, a lot of your main characters are not going to be around forever. So you've got to find ways of making these secondary characters more interesting. But I think they have to realize that. I think it's going to be a bit of a dip, but I do agree with you that maybe you get to this kind of dip and then once you're down there a little bit, that's when you bring in some of the the big X-Men guys that everybody knows again and maybe that fatigue has worn off. But you also have Fantastic Four that's been on the shelf basically since 2015, as or yeah, I think it was 2015 as well. So you have some other options there that if you can figure out how to do that right, that might hold you over a little bit. Well, and I just, it's un, it's just unfortunate, I think, you know, with a character like Captain Marvel and Black Panther and Doctor Strange and, you know, Shang-Chi, that you're looking at characters that could be really well-received if it was in a upward trajectory momentum. You know, if we've already brought in the X-Men type thing and we're building, like, towards Avengers versus X-Men and you drop in kind of their solo movies... I think they'd be received a whole lot better, but but as you mentioned, the uh, the superhero fatigue. I feel like they're gonna bear the brunt of of the backlash here, and that's right. not gonna be fair. Yeah, uh, who knows? We'll have to see what uh, what Marvel can can pull out of their bag of tricks because they they've got to know that this is coming. They know their plan. They probably are aware that some of their bigger, more popular characters are not going to be around or at least not in as much capacity. And what's the plan to get to that next big set of characters that everybody knows? Hulk versus Wolverine. <laughs> you have to introduce him that way. I just, if they introduce Wolverine any other way than against the Hulk, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. I don't know. Nobody knows what's going on with the Hulk. I think you're a long ways out before you get Wolverine in the MCU, but that's just, that's That's fine. I mean, five years from now, whatever. Yeah. You'll take it when you can get it. When I can get it, but that's how they should, (laughs) they should introduce him. All right. So do you have anything else on dark Phoenix? I know we went off the track there with Marvel for a little bit. It won't be positive. We can move on. So just assume (laughs) that you, you liked nothing about dark Phoenix. That's safe to say. All right. So it sounds like we're running out of things to say then. I am Thor, son of Odin, and as long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Are you ready? What'd you rate it and why? So I gave it a one and a half. And Yikes. Fair or not, it may be, it may get up to a two upon a second viewing or after 10 years of waiting, but I was so mad at everything that they did and I couldn't really pull anything together that I liked. Um, I left the theater just just angry. I mean, the villain wasn't even a villain. She never even went Dark Phoenix. She went like Medium Phoenix. You know? like she was, <laughs> Light gray Phoenix. Uh, yeah, light, and she's just kind of ha- hanging there. She went, okay, I- I'm fighting with this, and, and I'm kind of lashing out a little bit, but I never went bad, you know? Yeah. She, never, she never got to that point. And so instead you have your villain is this alien that you know nothing about. That's a shapeshifter that you never actually see shift back. Yep. So lame. Just yeah. lame. So uh, one and a half. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm at a two only because, like I mentioned before, one and a half is when you start tipping into like really 
low budget feel territory and and this was very very close because i did feel like some of the action scenes were sort of cheesy and felt like they were cobbled together at the last minute which they might have been so i was teetering on a one and a half and a two i didn't feel like it was a full star worse than apocalypse which i gave two and a half so i felt like two relatively speaking was right for me but i didn't really i mean we've talked about it now for an hour i i didn't really enjoy much about this movie there was just glimpses here and there that were fine and the rest was just please god get this over with i'm so done with the x-men franchise right now i don't want to see them again so i was at a two so what was your favorite part? So I'm taking a little bit of a different angle because it was such a bad movie that <laughs> I didn't really feel like I, I, I tried to think of some moments that I liked that the train was close, but even the train I felt was really clunky and not, I, I wasn't like, Oh wow, that's cool. So I actually went with the scene that I laughed the hardest at and I found the most cringeworthy. And that was when Jean made Charles walk up the steps <laughs> I laughed. I was the only one in my theater, but I laughed out loud because again, I know what you're going for, but it came off so bad. <laughs> like him doing that really weird walk. And I get that it's supposed to be, she's making him do this against his will and it might hurt him and all this, but it just looked stupid. It, that was stupid. It was bad. I'm, I'm, I'm talking like that. That's enough for me to sit there and be like, Maybe I should have given this one and a half. That should not make it into a movie. No, no, it should. It should definitely be a one and a half movie. And and I will say that barely edged out Beast looking at the Mystique picture on his desk because that was close <laughs> to being my favorite moment because that actually got a bigger laugh out of me, but it wasn't as cringy as the the walking up the stairs. So, what was your favorite moment? Um, I wrote down Magneto. <laughs> did you write it like that magneto like four o's and a question with mark a question magneto? mark yeah it's like i'm assuming my favorite part had something to do with magneto because i don't know what else it would have been but i don't i can't pick something out of this that i liked i agree fastbender was the best part of this movie uh edging out mcavoy by a little bit but I, I agree with you i what what would you what would you say like it can't be the whose blood is that over and over again because that was stupid it can't yeah. be the helicopter scene because that was stupid i guess i guess him doing the guns maybe but then it's like why would you do the guns just fold up the train like a sandwich You're, right what are you I, doing and and i don't know if it was kind of a callback to uh x-men one where he takes all the cops guns and he's shooting them or he's aiming them at the cops could be and then he stops the bullet and that that's one of the best parts of that movie is mm-hmm. i don't think i can stop them all you know to <laughs> to uh xavier but i i don't know i guess that's why i put <laughs> i put magneto okay. question mark maybe yeah well when you give a movie a one and a half you're, you're gonna have a best a favorite moment with a question mark on it yes all right so what's the one thing you would change <laughs> uh nothing i i picked nothing because what okay hold on you cannot give no, a movie I'm, one and a half i'm gonna get i'm gonna give you my reasoning oh, God. because i don't ever want them to be a reason for the mcu to look back and then say you know what we should have did it like this you know because there's there's nothing right with this movie or really the way this franchise ended that gives anybody oh you know you should have casted bale you know bale would have been better there's nothing and so it can only be positive when the mcu touches it See, okay, maybe, fine, fair. But you you can give something that you would change about this movie that could have at least improved it somewhat without taking it into, oh, now it's a five-star movie and the MCU is going to want to take it. Okay, make her go Dark Phoenix, because she didn't. Okay, 
yeah, at least fair. At least in the last stand, you know, she she dusted Xavier and killed killed people and destroyed stuff and forced Logan to to kill her. Like that at least at least she yeah. went dark. Okay. I am good with that. Not accidentally confused. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what she that's what Jean was this whole movie. It was almost like they were trying to make you not hate Jean and just make her feel like a victim to the the phoenix power the whole time right but that's the exact opposite of what you were supposed to feel at the end of apocalypse which is this really empowering moment where she took control of all of her powers so stupid i mean call it the phoenix i mean she could have done it i'm just no (laughs) you are without words all right so my thing i would change was I, i would just get rid of the entire space and alien angle like just delete it all from that and just have agreed just have Jean be the Phoenix and have it be this power that she doesn't know how to control. But it also starts to, uh, as she finds out that Charles had manipulated her, she grows angrier about that. And it kind of, her anger consumes her and gets the best of her. And you could still have the rest of it where Charles stupidly, you know, they go in each other's heads and they figure it all out, blah, 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 which I think is a crap ending anyway. But at least if you get rid of the aliens and the fact that she got the Phoenix somehow from space, like, I think it's a little bit better if you just do that and you take that time that you spent on those things and spend them on the character development and what, why they want to do the things that they're doing. Uh, I think you get a better movie, maybe two, two and a half. <laughs> maybe to watchable. Yeah. Maybe to watchable. All right. What's your casting change? Don't cop out. You got to have one. Well, this, this is hard because you have, you, you change all through all the movies. I mean, the only mm-hmm. person that you added was Jessica Chastain, right? Yep. I had the same dilemma. And so did you change throughout? Uh, no, I just changed Jessica Chastain. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I mean, remember how I told you in one of those episodes, it's like a mercy killing. Like, I'm not trying to make the movie better. I'm just saying Jessica Chastain's way too good to be treated like this and get her out of the movie because I felt like she was just not used well and I really do like her. So I took Jessica Chastain out and put in uh, her lesser doppelganger, Bryce Dallas Howard, because she already makes bad movies with the Jurassic World movies. And I figured what's another bad movie in Dark Phoenix. So put her in instead. I like Bryce better than I do Jessica Chastain. Well, you're wrong. I'm wrong that I like her more. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't say she's a better actress. I say I like her What movies does Bryce Dallas Howard have? Uh, She has Jurassic World. Yeah, that's not a good movie. That's one up on Dark Phoenix. Well, it's better than Dark Phoenix, sure. Yeah, so again, not at, saying much. Looking at Jessica Chastain's filmography, and I'm starting oh, there. But I already told you some great movies that she's been in. So been in, but not because of her. Uh, now, mind you, again, easy now. Seen Molly's oh. Game, Zero Dark Thirty, but Interstellar. She had, Interstellar? No, she's like in she, like thirty seconds of Interstellar. She's in more than that, but she she really does a good job in her role. <laughs> Either way, what's your casting change? See, and, that, and that, that's where I had the problem. I had to retroact and go through, uh, go back, and I had to delete all these other movies. Well, that's fine. I mean, you just railed on Nicholas Holt for a little while. Why wouldn't you be oh, no, okay he, with getting he, rid of? I could go all the way back to first class. He's gone. He he never would have made it made it into this. Okay, so what's your casting at, change? At best, maybe he's Cyclops. Okay, and so I could see him as a person nobody enjoys, and so. Cyclops fits for him. So that's your casting change. You're moving Nick Holt over to Cyclops. Yeah. 
What does that get you? Nothing. I mean, nothing's saving this. <laughs> nothing is saving okay. this. And so I don't know. I don't know why we're doing. Okay. Well, hold on though. These questions on this movie. You you need a beast now for first class. Yeah. Because Cyclops wasn't in first class, so you can't just swap them. So who's your beast? Gosh, just about anybody. Um, they'll do a better job than than Holt. Um. So I have to be a young person who'll still look the same age thirty years later. Is that, <laughs> right. is that what I'm doing? I mean, that's just that's just the magic of the movies. I mean, truly, I would have kept Kelsey Grammer as Beast if I could, because I thought that would have been tough. I thought he did a fantastic job. Uh, I didn't like it when they casted him, but it worked. I thought it worked really well. Sure. Um, okay. Well, I, I'll let you off the hook. I don't. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just thinking that if I think you, you did. Uh, I think you did mean to put me on the spot. But well, I was just curious. I thought maybe, sometimes you've got guys queued up. I mean, you love the X Men. You somehow know who you want in certain roles. So I thought maybe you had a, a beast lined up. No, I mean, if anything, it'd be uh, I mean, Joel Edgerton. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, but both would do a better job at Beast. But again, <laughs> if I put a good actor in, you're just going to be tainted his career. I'd rather look forward into the MCU and and find a beast, you know, later. Yeah, I'll work on that. Okay. Uh, what are we on to now? We are on what award would you give this movie? I gave it the worst movie of the year, twenty nineteen. Ooh. Hmm. That is interesting. You clearly have not seen The Silence on Netflix this year. That's released in theaters, and that's in okay. And I bet it'll be worse than Crawl. <laughs> oh god I, I hadn't even heard of that movie until first issue club told us that they demand that we watch that and review it <laughs> which is fine i'd rather watch that than this again well yeah i mean that's at least got some that's basically lake placid i'm guessing <laughs> yes that's what it seems like um is this worse than hellboy oh i forgot that that was this year too uh-huh uh well i think i gave hellboy probably the same rating Emotionally, I gave Hellboy one and a half. Emotionally, this was worse for me. <laughs> sure. Because uh, it just, it was painful. Um, Hellboy was a, was a really bad movie. Wow. I'm trying to look right. No, you gave Hellboy two. I gave Hellboy two. Mm-hmm. It probably deserved a one and a half. But based on yeah. Harbor alone, he gets a two. So yes, I'd, <laughs> I'd say this is worse than Hellboy. Especially with 20 years of, of buildup and, and you have time spent and then you get this. Yeah. I can see where you're going with this. If Beast had looked as good as what Hellboy looked oh, yeah. in his movie, yeah. and if that he would have just Beast throughout. I mean, that's all you had to give me out of him. He can be Nicholas Holt, but put him in freaking makeup and fur the entire movie, entire four. Right. All right. So I gave it the most pointless comic book movie since 2000. Uh, basically, I cut it off at 2000 because that's what I consider like the, the the modern comic book movies. Why make this movie? You could have. Th- ended the x-men for all intents and purposes on logan which would have been a great high note and you could have just not done this like why my thing is if you had made this movie and tried to wrap it up and make it emotional like what logan was and provide closure to some of these characters which i I know you can't do because of the timeline you can't just off a bunch of people but i'm not even talking about offing them i'm talking about like positioning them to where they are who they are going into x-men from 2000 but instead you just get this uh, another installment like it's really not different than apocalypse it's like it's like it didn't even try to wrap things up and that just really bothered me because i figured that this would provide a lot of closure and it really didn't so it just annoys me 
You know what annoys me is that Simon tries to take credit for producing Logan. Ooh. Like, oh, and, and, I mean, and but, but producing just means you gave it money. Right. <laughs> like, oh, by the way, I produced Logan. I, I have all these writing terrible credits to my name, but oh, I produced Logan and, and Deadpool. It's like it's like you had nothing to do with that. <laughs> and he did. You know, I, I give you no credit for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he clearly needs the resume boost. Yeah, because I think that's why he he drops that into every interview. Is by the way, I produced Logan and Deadpool. Of course. All right. So if you liked Dark Phoenix, you would also like what? I'd... Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you that one. Yeah. No. I, I truly any other superhero movie. I don't think there there is one. Worse, I think Last Stand. I think is what I go with because I think that one is better than this. Yeah, <laughs> so I was gonna go with Last Stand because of the obvious reasons, but I went with 2015 Fantastic Four because it's a, another terrible implementation of a comic book movie by Fox as well, I believe, and it suffered from writing and directing problems because nobody's gonna say that Miles Teller and Kate Mara and Michael B. Jordan aren't good actors. So clearly there's a problem with what's on paper versus what gets translated to the screen. Not the actor's fault. Leaves a lot to be desired. And we're already clamoring for them to be in the MCU in a different capacity. So if you somehow like Dark Phoenix, maybe you'll find some likeness in Fantastic Four from 2015. No, I I don't argue that at all. I think you'd like Daredevil. (laughs) Or Elektra. Or Elektra. (laughs) If if, If you like this, I mean... I mean, obviously the blades. You go through those. Uh, Batman Forever, probably. <laughs> there's not much you're. There's not much you should dislike if you like Dark Phoenix. Your bar is low. I think that's it for us in Dark Phoenix. That's Carson's hour and fifteen minute venting session on why uh, why you should not see this movie, or if you did already see it, why you should not like it. But as usual, talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Be sure to go out to the podcast stores and leave a rating and review. we got the 100th episode coming up in July. On July 4th, I think, is when we'll release it, so we'll record a little bit before that. So like we mentioned at the beginning, if you got questions, anything you want to ask us that you want us to cover in our mailbag episode on episode 100, send it our way. We are going to be back next week with Men in Black International. Maybe it'll be a little bit better than this. Who knows? We'll see. But either way, we'll catch you next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both.